is your voice. And you're listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, also 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. Please stay tuned for Cover to Cover. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school, get your mind. Every Friday, happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is March the 5th, 2014. I hope you've heard the big news. The world is round, people. Those were the exact words spoken by the Australian actor Kate Blanchett as she stood on stage and clutched her Oscar. <laughs> Sunday night it was. A direct quote. The world is round, people. Now, this is feminist fundamentalism. Great goddess, it is also the title of works by Gertrude Stein. Rose is a rose is a rose. Ah, it goes round and round. Life is not linear. It's not even straight. Logic is not logical. Now, there are dozens of books on this subject. <laughs> it's part of the the now scene. Ah, my favorite this year is probably The Alphabet and the Goddess by a local medicine man, but I digress. I'm not linear. <laughs> Get back online, Jennifer. Focus. Kate Blanchett, that's Kate with a C, is a major film star. She started as an actor. She remains an actor, even with her recent celebrity. Uh, she was very glamorous. Uh, she herself said Sunday night that the Oscar, the award, uh, that it's completely arbitrary. You know, as a crapshoot. <laughs> she, well, that was not, that's not a direct quote. She didn't say anything quite that, quite that crass, but she just tried to make the point that, uh, well, that the awards were hmm, just, what do you call that? What do we call the accidents? Yes. Her fellow nominees, she said, were all worthy of uh, wins. We should be grateful to them. They are all major artists. I buy that. Now, uh, Kate Blanchett's co-star in the film that won her the Oscar, 
Uh, that's, uh, let's see, that's Blue Jasmine is the movie. And Sally Hawkins is her co-star. Uh, she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, but I think there's no reason why she shouldn't have been on the leading lady list, uh, along with Kate. Recently, Sally Hawkins had a role in Desert Flower. She was a knockout. Desert Flower is on the top of my list of films to recommend it, uh, deals with a woman who comes to London from her home in Somalia. She has suffered FGM, that is female genital mutilation, as a small child. She gets it all together and becomes a supermodel. And, of course, that subject, uh, genital mutilation, the, what is it, the torture of women, is the most fundamental feminist issue uh just about, yes, uh, just a little bit above murder, yes. I digress, once again, I digress. Stick to it, yes, stick to, what is it, stick to the main line, Jennifer. <laughs> Blue Jasmine is a Woody Allen picture. It's been uh, compared to Tennessee Williams' play, Streetcar Named Desire. Wrong, wrong call. Woody Allen's narcissistic neurotic, is not a beautiful person in an ugly world. That was Blanche Dubois, you know. Uh, no, Jasmine is not uh, Blanche Dubois. And I'm not going to tell you the plot. No spoilers, I promise. I just want to point out that Woody Allen's film is a revenge story. Mia Farrow is his template. Yes, <laughs> he... he he really has a bee in his bonnet. Uh, uh, I guess, I guess he had his feelings hurt. A uh, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, especially if she is scorned in favor of an underaged, well, very, very young woman. Uh, see, in Blue Jasmine, she's an au pair. Anyway, <laughs> Woody Allen is still Marriage to his uh, young inamorata. I digress. I digress again. <sighs> Why is it that the subject is more interesting uh, than the one I was starting on? I think the awards are kind of boring after all these years, but the people are not altogether boring. Uh, Kate Blanchett reminded me of Emma Thompson. You remember when Emma Thompson won an award for her screenplay of Jane Austen's Sense and Sensibility? She won for Adapted Screenplay. Same as the guy who won for uh, 12 Years a Slave. Adapted. Adapted the book. Uh, you know, um, Emma Thompson and Kate Blanchett are British literary types. Now, they're not always at the top of their game. Emma Thompson <laughs> Emma Thompson dropped the ball with Saving Mr. Banks. It's a spin on P.L. Travers, the author of the Mary Poppins books. I think it was well meant. Emma Thompson loves these nannies, you know. She's even made some 
films about, uh, was it Nanny McPhee? Yes. I don't think, oh, shoot, I'm not sure they work. Anyway, Saving Mr. Banks told us that P.L. Travers, the creator of Mary Poppins, uh, was an Australian, just like Kate Blanchett, right? Now, Kate Blanchett always mentions her home base, her Australian heritage. She gave a nod to the Sydney Theatre while she was thanking the audience, yes. She, well, I compare the uh, uh, the Sydney Theatre to uh, London's National Theatre, and I do think, uh, well, uh, Kate Blanchett seems to think that it uh, it competes with the best in England. She and her husband talk about the future of this theatre. They're obviously giving back to their profession. She says that the Sydney Theatre gave her the skills to become what she has become. I compare her to so many. Judy Davis, Glenda Jackson, you know, so many great performers. The ones who know the difference between being a movie star and being an actor. The press, well, some of the press tells us that Matthew McConaughey has done that, gone from movie star to actor, right? <laughs> it's usually the other way around. You remember the days when Laurence Olivier and folks like that insisted that the theater was the real thing and that movies, well, you know, that was beneath any serious actor. It's all nonsense, of course, but uh, it took us until the 21st century to see that... Uh, what is that? It's all of a piece. Ah, once again, I digress. I digress. Oh, what the hell? Matthew McConaughey won an Oscar for the best male actor. Uh, he won for his role in Dallas Buyers Club, a stunning film. It's about a guy called Ron Woodruff, uh, Based on fact, it's a man who fought his fate when he was diagnosed with HIV uh, back in 1985. Now, I won't, I promise not to tell the story. No spoilers. Uh, I just need to tell you that it's set in 1985, 86, 87, like that. It seems to take a generation for our culture to... <laughs> Face reality, get a grip on things. Tony Kirshner tried a magnificent work, uh, Angels in America, that masterpiece. That was a giant step. Uh, actually, yes, uh, the millennium, he got us into the 21st century. But Dallas Buyers Club is based in fact, and uh, I think that the... The uh, what this subject is very confusing, but if any of it, if any of it is fact, it deserves our attention. <laughs> you know, I got a little confused about the medical mistakes, the what came first. It's all about experimental trials on AZT back in 1985. I think for people who are very concerned about the history 
of uh, the AIDS epidemic and how uh, how the medical establishment coped with it, check out the British medical journal The Lancet. That's L-A-N-C-E-T, The Lancet. I've only read some of it. I've read a couple of articles. Uh, it actually, um, well, they used it in the film. They held it up, you know. Uh, it was basically uh, ahead of the curve dealing with the AIDS epidemic. It uh, hit the international community, you know, the AIDS epidemic kind of surfaced, I would say, 85, yeah, but it didn't really, really sink in until the end of the decade. By then, everyone knew what to do. Uh, (laughs) Most of them couldn't afford to do it. You remember all the things that went down in those years. I think you'll be impressed by the way this movie skewers the establishment the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, all part of that swamp, the system, rewards ignorance, disregards human health in the pursuit of prestige and money, profit motive of the pharmaceutical industry. We all know that nowadays. Uh, It's diabolical. Moloch, the great money god, materialism, uh, in our death culture, money is always the first order of business. Follow the money and you'll find out what's what. You know, whether it's drugs or weapons or uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, <laughs> even in this movie, vitamins, uh, they'll fight over it. War, pornography, cosmetics, all the billion-dollar industries. You name it, someone is selling it. The question for the now generation, the new generation, is who is buying the stuff and why? In Dallas Buyers Club, we meet, I call it the feel-good industry, certainly a racket in some quarters, uh, new agers. Some support groups are not necessarily con games, but... Some can be used as places where, uh, well, help, what is it, help is offered psychologically. But real help, that is um, medical help, is out of reach. Matthew McConaughey is awesome in this movie. Uh, He's a rodeo cowboy who tackles his disease as if it were a bull. Yes, a bull. He's uh, shown in the rodeo uh, riding the bulls. He's got to ride this one to the finish. Uh, Now, McConaughey, as I said, has gone from pretty boy to tragedian, from glamorous to gaunt. He had to lose a tremendous amount of weight to play, uh, play the part in... Dallas Buyers Club. He certainly looks like a skeleton, emaciated. Mm-hmm. Yes, from glamorous to gaunt. I'm actually kind of relieved to see him returning to his to a healthy physique in an HBO series called True Detective. Now, uh, as far as drama goes, I think that True Detective is absolutely astonishing. I recommend it highly. Uh, 
Hmm. I don't like the subject, the story. But, you know, these Scandinavians, the original story uh, <laughs> comes to us from from the Norse tradition, yes. It's not really um, shoot 'em up but uh, you know how those Scandinavians can turn a, uh, a mystery story into something out of Angmar Bergman. Uh, now, both Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson play cops in true detective. They're obsessed with the horrors of crime and the ways their work stains their own personal lives. Aha! All gets mixed up. We are what we do. Both these actors deserve recognition for their uh, for their developing or developed mature skills. Is that the word mature? Uh, obviously, they've had breakthroughs. Some actors can go through an entire career, you know, just walking it, and are never breaking free. These guys, uh, these guys are naked. They seem to have been to the back of beyond and come back. There's a dark place that some artists must visit, at least. Well, at least they have to go there for a while. Not all of them survive the trip. Philip Seymour Hoffman's journey has led to his death. There was a tribute of sorts. Uh, Bette Midler sang to him, and she wept. Uh, it was quite, quite affecting. There was uh, quite a bit of weeping. Glenn Close was in mourning there. She introduced part of the, the part of the Oscar ceremony, you know, where they memorialize all those who died during the past year. Uh, they remember those who are gone. I think Yes, the tears, the tears were, what is it, uh, legitimate, authentic. Uh, Seymour Hoffman's name and dates were the last to be shown. They didn't have much time to prepare the eulogy. I can't even remember if the funeral had taken place. I digress. Once again, I digress. I can never stick to the subject. I am... Not linear. Free association is my downfall. One thought just spins off, leads to another. Circles, circles, circles. Gertrude Stein wrote about our existential circles, cycles, spirals. Aha! Uh -huh. It's that feminine thing, you know, uh, where everything just goes back in the cauldron and is recycled. We go around and around. Nothing ever ends. Matthew McConaughey, in True Detective, is sitting in this interrogation room with some young black cops who are questioning him. And he does uh, circles, spins. His name, actually, is Coyle. C-O-Y-L-E. Coyle. His first name is Rust, R-U-S-T. Ah, awesome. <laughs> anyway, it's all the same story, the detective story. Uh, the Matthew McConaughey character uses his knife to cut up beer cans. He twists them into 
little figures, little men, uh, people. Uh, he plays with them, and then he plays with the round ends of the cans, explaining about circles, uh, about how the circle goes flat. He holds them up, explains to these cops the nature of existence. Nietzsche comes up several times. Uh, yes, the world is round, boys and girls, and there is no closure. Uh, there is change, there is transmutation, that's one way of looking at it. I try to, uh, <laughs> try to tie up the existential angst, uh, with the feminist concept of repetition or recurrence. You know, that rebirthing, born again. <laughs> Nietzsche, indeed. Was it Nietzsche used to say, yes. There was, oh, I remember my favorite graffiti when I was in college. Uh, was in the ladies' room at the University of California. It said, Nietzsche is dead, signed God. Anyway, a true detective, as I said, is uh, something to see. Scared the pants off me. Uh, it has a philosophical spin that is unusual even on HBO. The adult. The adult uh, plays, you know, are all on cable television. Feature films are passé. They're all directed at, what, 12-year-old adolescent boys? Uh, now, uh, the horror story in this show, The Intrude Detective, is the story in which suffering never ends. Nietzsche, yes, the pain of small children is repeated over and over, one child in the same room throughout infinity. Ah, doesn't get much darker than that. If I were the boss, you know, the boss of things, if I gave the awards, <laughs> I think I would give Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson the prize for their work in True Detective. Yep, that's the top top drawer, along with uh, uh, Jasmine. Yes, Jasmine has definitely got, uh, Blue Jasmine has definitely got a prize. Now, True Detective is certainly a grim story, but if you're suckers for art, this has got to be it, the ultimate. Now, you know, I, I am old enough to remember Woody Harrelson as that Midwestern hayseed behind the bar in the sitcom Cheers. And even then, he gave the impression that he was holding something back, that he had a secret. <laughs> his, his violent movies uh, were not my cup of tea, but I think uh, that was about money. He had to prove to the money men that he could uh, he could be a return on their investment uh those macho movies sell all around the globe, billions of dollars from Beirut to Beijing, South Africa to Spain. You know, it's all aimed at adolescent boys. That's the market. Kate Blanchett pointed out that these women's movies sell too. She had to try and convince this audience. Emma Thompson once said that after... Sense and Sensibility, she had gone to the grave of Jane Austen to tell her all about the gross grosses in Uganda. 
Anyway, women's pictures can make money, said Kate Blanchett. Yes. Aha. It seems that money is the bottom line, never mind the bottomed out minds of our nation's children, both the boys and the girls. Now, if you see True Detective, take a very hard look at the girl children, both men, Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey, uh, the roles they play uh, of cops. They both have children. Woody Harrelson's daughter, let's see, by the time she becomes an adolescent, <laughs> she's figured out that her father is just one more male cliché. Uh-huh. Rust Cole, R-U-S-T, Coil, Coil, C-O-Y-L-E, he's a coil, right? His little girl died young, and I still haven't quite figured out what happened to her. She died on her tricycle. I digress, I digress. Oh, gosh, I still have to finish my novel about father-daughter tragedy from Euripides to Sigmund Freud. Electra, the daughter of Agamemnon, and his youngest daughter, Iphigenia. Remember virgin sacrifice? Slaughtered on the altar of the gods, she was like a sheep. Oh. Okay, that was to bring a wind to fill the sails of the Greek ships and take Agamemnon's fleet to Troy. War, that's what it's always about. Sacrifice the family, the feminine spear. No, sacrifice that to the larger state, the serious stuff. You know, the war. Anyway, Agamemnon always weeps for his beloved Iphigenia, but... <laughs> He knows that his fleet is stuck there at the shore. He's in the, what is it? He's in the power of his army. Nothing he can do about it. You can't leave thousands of men sitting on the uh, shore. <laughs> yes, it's funny about that. Nothing to do. These guys had nothing to do but polish their weapons. Uh, I think <laughs> Madeline Albright comes to my mind. Another digression years ago, she said, What is the use of our military might if we're not going to make use of it? Remember that? Of course, many nations use their military men to do some social work. You know, fix some stuff. Harvest the crops, build the bridges, teach school. Oh, God, oh, dear, that's almost women's work. Oh, no, no child care. <laughs> oh. I was going to tell you a long story about uh, a man trying to do child care, but I don't have time. I'll have to save it for next time. Uh, it's, what is it? Uh, it might actually be anti-male. It might be male bashing. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Can't have that. It's out of fashion. Okay, today I'm still talking about Blue Jasmine, the movies, Kate Blanchett, The Dallas Buyers Club with Malcolm McConaughey, True Detective, six episodes. Got to go back and talk about the Vikings, oh, these Scandinavians. Like I said, Matthew McConaughey is so great in, uh, well, in both things, in both True Detective and in Dallas Buyers Club, that he, he could... Uh, he could play that medieval knight in Engmar Bergman's movie Seventh Seal. 
really, really haggard. Anyway, uh, I was going to tell you all about the history of uh, Woody, let's see, what is it, Woody Harrelson. Uh, but again, I'll have to save this for next time. Some people thought that Matthew McConaughey was a little unsophisticated when he got his award. And I thought about it and I decided he's just Southern. Uh, if he wants to believe in God, that's perfectly all right with me. I'll be back on the air next Tuesday at the same time. Until then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. Out of American Democratic Alliance, BADA, will hold its 14th annual Burma Human Rights Day benefit on Saturday, March 8th from 6 to 10 p.m. The event is to explore the prospect for democracy in Burma. The evening will feature Professor Larry Diamond speaking on global democracy, author Edith Morante, a short film, and a Burmese-style dinner. This is a benefit for BADA and is wheelchair accessible. You're invited to join us on Saturday, March 8th at the Berkeley Fellowship of Unitarian Universalists, 1942 Cedar Street, Berkeley. For more information, call 510-485-3751. 510-485-3751.